It's the end of my sixth month of hosting this show, Locked on Tar Heels. And so I thought, you know what? It's high time that I let you guys dictate what we're talking about. That's right. It's the first ever mailbag edition of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, July 29th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe very easily right now. For those of you watching, go ahead, smash the like button, and leave some comments as we're talking. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, for those of you that are watching, it is the second weekly Fro Friday. Uh, I got to admit, my Fro is not as good this week. Uh, my wife is out of town, and so I had to use my kids' like purple brush, my, my daughter. So there you go. Uh, today is the very first day of fall football camp. Hooray, hallelujah, celebration, great things are in the works, and that means we're going to be switching to uh, some good football content coming up, all sorts of good stuff, um, and starting next Monday, man, just diving right into that. But as for today, it is a mailbag show. I've picked out seven of the questions that you all sent in. Uh, interestingly enough, it's the first day of fall practice, and not a single one of them is about football. It's all basically about basketball and or the show. And so that's what we are doing today. So I'm just going to take these, unpack them, and hopefully it will be helpful information for you, maybe something you're wondering about. If you didn't get your question answered or if you think of something else you want to submit, please never hesitate to do so. So let's dive right on into this thing. First question. Um, this uh, it was in response to TJ Power taking an official visit to Carolina basketball last Monday. And the question was basically, I thought we didn't have a scholarship for Gigi this year in response to why are we bringing somebody on to campus? And I just want to clear up any confusion there. With Gigi, this is referencing Gigi Jackson. Gigi was actually class of 2023, so not somebody who would start this fall, had said to the Carolina coaching staff that he didn't want to reclassify into 2022. There had been some hubbub about the possibility of that, but ultimately he said, no, 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 I want to stay in high school, graduate on time, and do things as normal. So for the class of 2023, Carolina does have a scholarship to give. There are 13 scholarships a team can have, um, regardless of who stays and uh, who decides to stay, whatever that looks like, there would be one for Gigi as well as Simeon Wilcher, the other current class of 2023 scholarship player. What Carolina does not have a scholarship for is the class of 2022. Uh, it was all filled up. 
Kerwin Walton decided to transfer. At that point, Gigi was still saying that he wanted to stay class of 23. Carolina picks up Pete Nance. All said and done, the roster's full. It's only then, once Gigi has started to have some special moments on the summer AAU circuit, that he decided he wanted to reclassify. And that is why uh, that confusion might have happened. So anybody else out there that might have been wondering that, I thought we didn't have scholarships for Gigi. We didn't, and we don't. We would have next year, but not now. And so when he decided to change his mind and reclassify, his home state, South Carolina, was a place that had an open scholarship. And so there we go. That's the deal there. Uh, we won't go into any more about is that a good decision? Is that a bad decision? We'll just have to see how the season plays out and wish the best of luck to Gigi Jackson. Next question. This is from Esther Poza from YouTube. And Esther says, sometime would you and Coach Plaque, <laughs> Plaque, <laughs> he lost a tooth this week. That's kind of funny. Would you and Coach Pack explain the plus minus thing? And I believe um, Pack actually explained this um, maybe to Esther on YouTube, but I wanted to um, share this here as well because there might be others who are wondering that. Every Wednesday when Coach Pack Kilby and I uh, do a preview of one of the Carolina basketball players for this upcoming season, one of the stats we always give is plus minus. And so Esther is asking, what is that stat? Because it's not just one of your typical um, stats that you hear, although it has become more popular in basketball circles in recent years. And so I just want to explain that for those who might also be wondering. It, it's not a complicated one by any stretch of the imagination. It's something that you could um, keep tabs on and track of at home yourself. So plus minus is this. Basically, it's the scoring margin for a team while a certain player or a certain group of players is on the floor. And so let's say um, myself and Esther and Coach Pat Kilby and Michael Jordan and Tyler Hansborough are all playing together. And you know, MJ and Hansborough, they're scrubs, they're washed up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but let's say while the five of us are in the game, um, we score 10 more points than our opponent. And um, so that means that our group is plus 10. Let's say that I play 24 minutes in a game. Regardless of the other four players on the court with me at any of those minutes, regardless of the five opponents on the floor, however um, many points plus or minus our team is in the 24 minutes I'm on the court is my plus minus number as an individual. So let's say I played 24 minutes in a game and in that time span, no matter how it's broken up, our team is plus 12. That is my plus minus. Let's say I play 10 minutes and in that time span, we are outscored by five, then my plus minus is negative five. And so that's how uh, we get that number. And so at the end of a game, you can pretty easily tabulate uh, each player's plus minus. Um, it's also in the box score typically at the end of the game. If you look at Carolina, it's typically one of the last ones at the far right 
of all the columns there in the box score. The other thing is in some of the advanced box scores uh, that Carolina will put out, you will see the plus minus for each lineup combination throughout the game as well. And that's beneficial to a coach in seeing like which combination of five players is more often than not performing the best. As all stats are, plus minus isn't a perfect stat. It doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't tell you nothing, but it is helpful to see what what players are making the players around them better. Think about somebody like LeBron James, who typically rises up the players around him. And probably if you look at his plus minus more often than not, you're going to see that it is higher than a lot of other people's and that the players around him would rise as well. So that is plus minus. The number of scoring margin expressed as a positive or negative or zero if it's tied in the minutes a certain player or certain group of players is on the floor. So Esther, that is plus minus for you. Got some more great questions coming up. Want to talk about those in just a second after I tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. There's also reviews and news from every league, like Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, NBA, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So, head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening right now. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, let's get right back into these questions. This one is from YouTube from, I, I don't understand this name at all. It's Timothy GCOM 73 current 58 GCOM. If somebody can explain that to me, I am all ears. Timothy, I'd love to hear it from you yourself. But Timothy's question is this. How many games do you think North Carolina is going to lose in basketball this coming season? So let's just talk about the regular season because obviously in the ACC tournament and NCAA tournament, you're either going to lose one or be the champion and lose one or be the champion. Those are your two options. So we're just going to um, specify this answer to the regular season. And we're going to look at that in terms of non-conference and conference games. In terms of the non-conference, I actually unpacked this on a show last week. It was last Monday um, once Carolina had put out their non-conference schedule. But I'm going to stick with my answer from that one. Carolina has uh, five standalone home games. I believe they are going to and should win all of those. And then several MTEs, which are multi-team events, be it uh, the Jumpman Invitational, where they will play Michigan, uh, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, where they'll play Indiana, the PK85, where they will go up. We now know the, the bracket for that. We didn't at the time. We'll start with Portland and then have several other uh, really good teams, just depending on who wins and who loses but some tough games there, um, all, all sorts of things going on for Carolina. And, and the um, CBS Sports Classic, they'll play Ohio State up at MSG um, in New York there. And so my prediction then is the same as it is now. I, I believe that Carolina will lose one or two non-conference games. Um, and it's in the tough, what I believe is the toughest stretch of the non-conference schedule. They go out to Portland for the PK-80. They will play Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, 
Friday and Sunday. They're off Saturday. And um, then that very coming Wednesday, three days later, they play Indiana in Bloomington. And that's just going to be a tough stretch. We know that they that the Tar Heels have struggled in Bloomington before, including the last time they played them in the national championship season in 16-17. And so that is, just like Carolina, Indiana is going to be a top 25 team. They won't be as highly ranked as the Tar Heels, but Assembly Hall is a very difficult place to play. And so I'm predicting that Carolina will lose that game. Um, they could obviously win it. But I just it's so hard to win in a true road environment, especially like that, which is the highlight game of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I also wouldn't be surprised if they dropped one game of the PK-85. They're not going to lose to Portland, but I could see them losing either on Friday or Sunday. Again, just such top flight talent. And so I'm going to say that Carolina will win all the rest of their games. They'll beat Michigan. They'll beat Ohio State. And so I'm going to predict two losses in the non-conference portion of the schedule. Let's turn our attention then to the conference portion of the schedule, which is 20 games now, you might recall. Uh, the Tar Heels play home only against Boston College, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Miami. They're going 4-0 in those games. I'm just saying that's what's going to happen. The away-only opponents are Florida State, Louisville, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech. I'm going to predict that Carolina will go 2-2 in those games. Uh, it's kind of a toss-up as to who the two wins and two losses would be. Um, each of those are tough road environments, but all of those are also winnable games. And so um, I'll say two and two, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think Carolina will be worse than that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went three and one or four and zero oh in that. But again, it's so tough to win on the road, particularly in conference, particularly when it's the preseason favorite team in the conference coming to your building. The home and home games will be Duke, NC State, Notre Dame, Pitt, Virginia, and Wake Forest. That's twelve to six teams that Carolina will play in the in the Smith Center and at that school's place. I'm going to predict Carolina will go 10-2 and two in those 12 games. I think they should, should uh, sweep NC State, sweep Pitt, and sweep Wake Forest. And the, the two losses are going to come from some combination of Duke, Notre Dame, and Virginia. I, I believe Carolina should win at home against Duke. It'll be senior night this year, um, going to Duke on the road earlier. Uh, Carolina could very easily win that game. We uh, Hello, look at last year. Um, Duke's going to be a very young team. Carolina's going to be an experienced team. But just stuff happens in rivalries, so we'll see what happens there. And then Virginia, Carolina, uh, under Hubert Davis last year, played a lot better against Virginia than did Carolina against Virginia under Roy Williams. Just the different types of offenses and styles. But still very difficult to beat a Tony Bennett coach team. Notre Dame, Carolina struggled a little bit with them and their three-point shooting. And so overall, I'm going to predict that Carolina will lose two of that. So if Carolina uh, loses one to two in the non-conference schedule and then four in conference play, would mean they'd go 16 and four in the ACC. So I'm going to say Carolina in the regular season will lose five or six games. Remember, it's so, so, so difficult to um, win at a high consistent level in college basketball. We haven't had an undefeated team in forever, okay? Forever. Came very close with Gonzaga two years ago, but Baylor ended that in the national championship game. And so now, 
This Carolina team is experienced, they're talented, they could very easily blow by that expectation that I'm giving of five or six losses, and I think obviously everyone would be thrilled with that reality. All right, next question is this. How much of a factor do you think Tyler Nickel will be this upcoming season? That question comes from Mike Howard at MikeHoward815 on Twitter. This is a great question, Mike. I love it. One of the things about this is we so often speculate on a player's minutes per game without properly contextualizing uh, what's actually going on without actually thinking about what the other players are going to be playing. We'll just look at a player and say, let's just use Mike Howard and we'll say, hey, Mike Howard is a great player. I think he should play 10 to 15 minutes a game without stopping to think about who the other players around Mike Howard are. So um, when it comes to Tyler Nickel, keep this in mind. There are 200 minutes available per team per game. Right? You have five players on the court at one time playing 40 minutes of a game. 40 times 5 is 200. So we can allocate 200 total minutes. And I don't know that seems like silly and dumb math, but it's, it's amazing how quickly when you start giving all these various players 15 minutes, how quickly that adds up beyond 200. So when we look at some of what the, the players on the team did last year, all four starters, all four, all five starters played 29 minutes or more. Love at 34-1, Davis 34 flat, Baycott 31-7, Manic 30.4, and Leaky Black 29.7. Nine total players averaged double digits. The five starters plus Dawson Garcia, Kerwin Walton, Anthony Harris, and Puff Johnson. However, um, that seems hard to think about because Coach Davis didn't play a ton of people a ton of minutes. But keep in mind, Dawson Garcia and Anthony Harris both were out in January. And so really, it's the starters plus Kerwin Walton, Puff Johnson, and Dontrez Styles. Although Dontrez Styles didn't make it to double-digit minutes last year on average for the season. He started playing a lot more later, but that is, that is what we had last year. <clears throat> when we look at this year's depth chart to start thinking about hey, what will Coach Davis do? Is he going to allocate more minutes than he did last year? We don't know what that's going to look like. But here are the 13 scholarship players. I'm going to give this in order of what I think the depth chart will be. Caleb Love, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, Leaky Black, Pete Nance, Puff Johnson, Dontrez Styles, Seth Trimbles, Jalen Washington. That's your top nine as far as I'm concerned. Um... Big question mark with Jalen Washington is going to be health, coming back from, from knee injuries and things like that. I'm assuming that he will be fully healthy. That's what I'm operating under when I give this prediction. And then to me, the, the four remaining scholarship players past that are DeMarco Dunn, Justin McCoy, Tyler Nickel, and Will Shaver. I think Will Shaver, of the 13 scholarship players, is going to be 13th on the depth chart. And then to me, it will be DeMarco Dunn, Justin McCoy, and Tyler Nickel fighting over each other to be that 10th player in the rotation. But I believe those three players will be numbers 10 through 12 on the depth chart. And the reason I, I make that point and, and specify it is because when we look at the 10th player on the depth chart, last year, the 10th player on the depth chart averaged 7.0 minutes per game. Going back all the way through the Roy Williams era, here is the number of minutes averaged by the 10th player on the depth chart every year. 
And so when when you look at that, you you might think, man, Tyler Nichols should probably get 10 to 15 minutes a game, right? Um, just based on what he can do offensively. But when we look at the 10th player in the depth chart, uh, the most we ever had in the Roy Williams era was someone averaging 12.2 minutes per game. But it was typically in single digits, in like the 6, 7, 8, 9 range. So the bottom line for me with Tyler Nickel. To, to answer the question, I think he's going to get a big opportunity, not necessarily big, but an opportunity in the non-conference portion of the schedule to prove what he's ready to do. Coach Davis, the rest of the coaching staff is going to see a lot of that in practice once that kicks up. Um, uh, practicing against the best starters in the nation, you know, if not the best, top three, four, five in terms of the top five players. And so they're going to get a great feel of what Nichols' capability is coming in during practice. But then he's going to get an opportunity at some point to show something in the non-conference schedule to see how ready he is. If his offensive capability carries over from what he did in high school, it's going to be hard to keep him off the court because if he's scoring in bunches, you want that on the floor. But for Hubert Davis, he's got to play defense. So the question is, how does his defense line up? One factor, again, could be Jalen Washington's health. If Jalen Washington isn't ready to go at, at a high level or a lot of minutes, then, then Nickel and, and McCoy and Dunn could sneak up there. And I know they're not the same positionally, but anytime a player is removed from the rotation, it affects everyone's minutes. And so for Nickel, my guess is that at least one non-conference game. We might see double digits where he just catches fire and everything's going in. Maybe one other random game in January against somebody like Boston College where he pours in 10 minutes. But I wouldn't expect to see a ton from Tyler Nickel this year. I would imagine he'd average four, five, six minutes a game, two, three points a game, those, those type numbers. But he's going to be a player that I believe each year at Carolina. He's going to be a multi-year player, and we're going to see huge strides every year, and he's going to work his way into the rotation. He's got the moxie, the moxie, the confidence to compete at this level, and so I really think he will succeed. But this year, I see him in that 10, 11, 12 range on the depth chart, just playing spot minutes. All right, two more questions, and these both involve me or the podcast. The first is this. This is from Michael K. Martini. Love that last name on YouTube. And Michael says, I love your theme song. Who is it by? So the theme song for Locked on Heels, you hear it at the very uh, beginning of the show coming out of the like Locked on Tar Heels intro. And then at the very end of the show, when I say until tomorrow, peace, that, that song is called Domino Flow by Simba Music. And so often what happens is there, there's music that is, is licensed that you can use kind of royalty free. And so Locked On has this whole library of music. And so when I started the show, I just kind of started pouring through all this music and I was instantly hooked when I heard that song. I heard some drops, I heard some neat cuts. I love the horns in it and I was like, man, this fits the vibe of what I want Locked On Tar Heels to be. And so I picked it from day one and I've stuck with it because I love it, I think it's fun, and uh, I hope you enjoy it as well. All right, final question. This comes from an email from my man Jonathan Fox. 
love Jonathan. We have great interactions. In fact, uh, Jonathan and I are, it's like the two of us together in a North Carolina Twitter community. would love to have anyone come join us in there. And Jonathan asks this, with all the tech available right now, we all know you can cover a team from anywhere. But has there been any pressure to move closer to the team? This is a great question from Jonathan. I do not live in Chapel Hill. I don't live in North Carolina. I live in Missouri. Not even just in East Missouri, like St. Louis, where Caleb Love is from. I live in just outside of Joplin, Missouri, which is Southwest Missouri, in a town called Webb City. We're known for our high school football, one of the best high school football programs in the state of Missouri year after year after year. Uh, if you've heard of Joplin before, it's probably only because we had a huge tornado about a decade ago. Um, really devastating for our community, um, but that's, that's what it was. So to Jonathan's question, uh, it, it is difficult to do it from afar. I'm not able to attend in-person things unless it's close. Like I, I got to go to two of the NCAA tournament sites last year. One was in the Dallas area in Fort Worth and the other was down in New Orleans, both of which are closer to me. So I got to go to those. But I don't get to go to just weekly in-person press conferences and things like that. However, COVID has been phenomenal for what I do for both the podcast and for writing. Um, at the beginning of COVID, I started writing for Sports Illustrated's North Carolina site. And just because of some changes in leadership there recently, I have actually now started writing for Keeping It Heal. And so would love for you to check out the work that I do there. And so with, with both my writing and the podcast, um, I've been able to dive into post games because all of those have been on Zooms. All the press conferences have been on Zoom all during COVID, although we're coming out of that now, unfortunately. And so a lot more things like the beginning of football is all back in person now. And so I do miss out on a lot of those. So I have to rely on other people to be my eyes and ears and, and let me know things. And so um, if that's you and, and you'd be interested in somebody to share information with me, um, I'd always love to, to hear that from people on the ground in North Carolina. But the neat thing is, is that I love in this digital era how somebody from Missouri is able to bring people together from all over the country and all over the world to celebrate the Tar Heels together. And that's why I often talk about, I want this to be an extension of the Carolina family. I want this to be a real and true community where people can come together and share their love of the Tar Heels. Um, whether it's stories or stats or whatever it may be, I want Locked on Tar Heels to be that type of place. To answer your last question, Jonathan, I've not had any pressure either from my bosses or editors or whomever to move closer, but it would certainly make life easier to be able to be in the press box, to, to do things like that, to um, attend games, all the various sports. And so, so yeah, also I grew up in Atlanta and so it would make life uh, great to be back in the South. And so that's something, yeah, that, that my family and I have to reckon with just to pull back the curtain and be very honest. Uh, another part of it though, is that my full-time job is here in Missouri as well. I'm a professor at a college where I teach classes on worship and New Testament. My wife's job, she works at a church, is here in Missouri. And so we'd have to, um, if it ever came to that, and we decided we'd like to move east, south, uh, that we would have to consider all those things. But it's a great question. And uh, thankfully, I'm able to do it all from right here. I, I'm in an extra room in our house. We call it the party room. 
and uh, that's great. So thank you everyone for your great questions. Would love to do this again sometime. It's so fun to interact in this way with everybody. But unfortunately, that is it for today's episode, and that is it for this week on Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up next week on Monday, man, it's going to be fun. A great interview with Brian Chakos, who was an offensive lineman for Carolina in the early 2000s, now works for the Rams Club. On Wednesday, Coach Pat Kilby and I are going to break down Caleb Love's game. That's going to be a lot of fun. I want to thank you so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch today, just like every day. If you haven't already, go ahead, subscribe, smash the like button, leave some comments or some questions that you might have, and I'll save those up for the next mailbag episode. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Locked on Heels. You can follow me, at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked on ACC take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. It's been really great to spend part of our Friday hanging out together, wrapping up the week. First day of football practice for the fall. It's awesome football camp. I hope that you have a great weekend, and I want to remind you that it's always a great day to be a target. Until next week, peace.